Oh, welcome everyone. We are here. I thank you for joining me today. New Hope Radio. Got a good topic for you today. Going to begin a two-part series. And uh, it's an important series, two parts, because it really affects us where we live. Now, we know that life has many challenges, doesn't it? Oh, yes, it does. We're challenged in the job market, so much competition. Challenged in our finances. Some people have health challenges. But there's one big one. Probably everybody has experienced. And you know what that challenge is? The challenge to forgive. Yeah, that's one of the greatest challenges, even in the Christian life. Not the receiving of forgiveness. We like that. But it's in the giving of forgiveness. You know, forgiveness... It's, it's difficult to give sometimes because we want a wrong made right. We want a debt paid. We want restitution made. We're going to take a look today at a little letter in the New Testament, the letter to Philemon. And it is a letter about forgiveness. It's a wonderful letter. It's a letter of grace. And as we begin a study of Paul's letter to Philemon, we need to do two things. Uh, yeah, three things. Number one, we're going to set the stage. Number two, we're going to meet the characters. And then number three, we're going to develop the truth. Okay? That's important. Three things. Set the stage, meet the characters, and then develop the truth. So let's set the stage. Back in the first century, slavery was very common in the Roman Empire. As a matter of fact, even Christians had slaves. Onesimus was a slave. He belonged to a wealthy Christian man named Philemon. Onesimus had run away from Philemon, and he also stole some money for traveling expenses, and he ran to Rome. Rome was quite a distance from where he was. But in Rome, he met Paul the Apostle. Onesimus must have heard the gospel message preached by Paul. He didn't know Paul, but I guess he was in the crowd. Paul was preaching. And you know what Philemon did? He was touched by God the Holy Spirit. And he gave his life to Christ, and he got saved. Paul is now going to send Onesimus back to Philemon, and ask Philemon to accept him as his brother in Christ. Wow, that's a big step. Okay, that's the scene. That's the stage of this of the letter. The characters, the Apostle Paul, Onesimus, the runaway slave, Philemon, the wealthy slave owner who also was a member of the Colossian church, and Aphia who we believe was the wife of Philemon. Okay? And the third thing we're going to see, the truth to be developed. Like I said, people want restitution. There is a truth in this letter that we would do well to receive for our own personal lives. I want you to picture, have you ever seen a wrecking ball smash into a building? You know, they want to take down a tall building, right? They send this wrecking ball off a crane. 
smashes into that thing. Well, that is probably a good picture (laughs) of the letter that Paul is writing to Philemon. As a wrecking ball crashes into a building with all of its force, breaking apart cement and bricks and mortar, and it reduces everything to rubble. And this life, we have built up a philosophy or a way of thinking, and you know what? It needs to be destroyed. Because many times our way of thinking goes against God's way of thinking. And we need God's wrecking ball to come into our life. Because our thinking results in building walls and fences. And you know what they do? They divide and they separate people. And we block each other from each other. So think of this wrecking ball flying down, smashing into Philemon's way of thinking. It's not, it's not an easy thing to want to experience. Not at all. That's why I said there is a great challenge in life, and that's the challenge to forgive. So today, as an introduction to the letter, like I said, it's a two-part series, as an introduction to the letter to Philemon, I want us to see God's mind and what Jesus has done because Christ came like a wrecking ball into humanity. And you know what Paul said in Ephesians 2.14, speaking of Christ? He is our peace, who made both groups into one, speaking of Jew and Gentile, and he broke down the barrier of the dividing wall. In Christ, walls are smashed. Barriers are torn down. And how did he do it? Verse 15, by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which means hostility, which is the law of commandment contained in ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace. Now, what does that mean? It's a little tricky to understand. It means that the law separated us from God because we couldn't keep it. We became enemies of God. And yet, Christ came to fulfill the law for us, and then, verse 16, reconcile us, all of us, in one body to God through the cross. And by it, having put to death death, that hostility. Okay? So what did Jesus do? Jesus came like a wrecking ball, and he destroyed the walls that were put up between God and mankind. And he did it through his sacrifice on the cross. So, based on that, Paul is going to send his own wrecking ball into the heart of Philemon, based on what Christ has done for us. That's the key. See, the the secret to forgiveness is understanding what Christ did. Christ brought forgiveness between God and man. And Paul is saying, you see that forgiveness that you have? Let's now bring it between man and man. So Paul writes this letter. He's got Onesimus with him in Rome. Philemon's in Colossae. 
and he writes a letter. And when he opens up the letter, he commends Philemon as a fellow worker in the kingdom. Philemon is also a convert of Paul. As a matter of fact, he has a church in his own house, and it's in the city of Colossae. So, here's how the letter begins. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved brother and fellow worker. So, they're both on the same team, same goal, same priorities. Verse 2, and to Aphia, our sister, who we think could be his wife, and to Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house. So Philemon, he's a pretty godly guy. He's got a church in his own house. He's got a house church. Okay? Archippus had a position of ministry in the house church. He calls Philemon a fellow soldier. And he shows that Christianity is warfare, isn't it? Yeah, it's warfare against evil. How many times do we hear about being a soldier for Christ in this world? When's the last time you heard a message on the armor of God? Standing firm, standing strong, resisting the wiles of the devil. You know, life is spiritual warfare for the Christian. It really is. It's not a beach. It's a battle. And we have to remember that. So Paul continues in verse 3, and he says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always, making mention of you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and of the faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. You know, that's a good place to be. Love toward God, love toward God's people. I know it's easier to love God than it is to love God's people, (laughs) in some instances, but you got to love them all. Yeah, we got, we got to love them all. We got to love God's people just like we love God. There's no getting around it. Okay. And he said in verse six, I pray that the fellowship of your faith may become, ooh, effective, effective through the knowledge of every good thing which is in you for Christ's sake. Oh, he wants his faith to be effective. You know what that means? gets things done. It's not a dormant faith. It's an active faith. Faith pleases God, right? But not when it's sleeping, when it's active, when it's awake. So Paul, in the beginning of the letter, he's reminding Philemon who he is in Christ. Philemon, you're a godly man. You're in the battle with all of us. You know the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Spirit. You've got a how a church in your house. You love the saints. You love the Lord. Philemon, you're a good man. One person calls this letter a masterpiece of grace and tact, and there's a profound demonstration of the power of Christ and of true Christian fellowship in action. Hmm. I agree. Verse 7, he said, For I have come to have much joy and comfort in your love. Paul loves Philemon. He said, Because of the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, brother. He's getting personal. 
Oh, yeah. Intimate. He's commending him on what a blessing he is to other people. How much like Jesus Philemon was. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Philemon was like that. Philemon had the nature of Christ. He did. And because of that, uh-oh, here comes the challenge. <clears throat> Even Jesus was challenged. He was challenged by the devil. He was challenged by the religious leaders. He was challenged by the Romans. He, wherever he went, he was challenged. Godliness is always challenged. Remember that. You want to be godly? You will be challenged. Philemon is going to be challenged. And here it comes. So, Paul is reminding Philemon who he is, what God has done in his life, and also his role as a minister in his house church, and how he has a ministry to other Christians, and how he loves God. So Paul says, therefore, hmm, because of all that, Philemon. See, when you see the word therefore, you have to ask yourself, what is it therefore? And that's why when we come to church to learn the word of God, we have to ask ourselves, what am I here for? <laughs> Why do you go to church? Oh, I haven't seen you in a week. How you doing? Coffee's good here. Oh, and it's free. I love the music. No, the main thing is to learn God's Word. That's what we're here for. And then all those other things, they look, they're, they're the add-ons, so to speak. So the same answer to both questions. What is it there for? What am I here for? To do the right thing. Now let's watch the progression here. He said, though I have enough confidence in Christ to order you to do what is proper, because he has apostolic authority. As an apostle, Paul can say, Philemon, this is what you're going to do. Now that probably wouldn't work today. Because today people are very independent and very arrogant. And if you said to someone, this is what you're going to do, they say, yeah, that's what you think. <laughs> but in those days, they had great respect for the apostles. So Paul says, I could order you as an apostle to do what I'm going to ask you to do. But you know what? I'm not. I'm going to appeal to a higher law. And you know what the higher law is? He said, yet for love's sake, I'd rather appeal to you. Not because of my authority, but because of love. He said, since I'm such a person as Paul, the aged, and I'm also a prisoner of Christ Jesus. So, Paul has already seen Philemon's love in action. Paul knows Philemon is a man whose heart is filled with love. He knows that because he loves the saints. So he's appealing to that love. That's why Paul said, for love's sake, I appeal to you. And it's the word agape love, the same love that God loves us with. So Paul appeals to Philemon, not with the authority of an apostle, but with, with the love of God. <clears throat> 
See, God loves Paul. God and Paul love Philemon. Philemon is to love Onesimus. This is what's happening. Onesimus? Yes, he's a runaway slave. Onesimus? Yes, he needs forgiveness. Philemon? You're the man who can do it. See, Paul mentions two things about himself. He calls himself the aged. He's an older man. Some say he's around 60, which today I don't think is that old. But probably in those days it was. He's also a prisoner of God himself. He says, I too am a prisoner of Christ. You know what that means? That he gave up his rights to serve Christ. Yeah, Paul gave up his personal freedoms in order to serve Christ. Don't we all do that? If we're going to be followers of Christ, don't we give up our personal freedoms to a degree because they can get in the way of us following after Christ? So Paul said in verse 10, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus. What? My child? How'd that happen? Well, he explained it. He said, whom I have begotten in my imprisonment. So it means that Onesimus became a spiritual son to Paul. How did he become a spiritual son to Paul? He heard the message. He became a new creation in Christ. See, the word Onesimus, you know what it means? Useful and profitable. That's what it means. But here's what Paul says. I know Onesimus, who was formerly useless. (laughs) He was unprofitable to you. I know that, Philemon. I know. He robbed you, and he ran away. But then he met the Apostle Paul. So he was useless, but now, Paul says, he's useful both to you and to me. He was unprofitable, but now he's profitable to you and to me. Onesimus became Paul's child in the faith. Now again, if we look at Onesimus before salvation, he was considered property. He was a runaway slave. He had no rights He was at the disposal of his master. See, the slaves in those days, they had nothing going for them at all. A master had unlimited power over his slave. He could dispose of his slave any way he wanted to. A murderer of a slave was not accountable. Wow, you could even kill your slave. Tracking fugitive slaves was a business. Recovered slaves were branded on the forehead. Condemned slaves were thrown to the wild beasts. Now, put yourself in the shoes of Onesimus. He's transitioned. He's a new man. He was formerly useless. Now he's useful. He was formerly unprofitable. Now he's profitable. Why? Because he met the Apostle Paul. 
He's a new man. And though Onesimus was free, spiritually, he wasn't free in the culture. See, here's the thing some people need to understand. Salvation does not cancel our human debts. Okay? It doesn't loose us from personal responsibility. Someone can commit a crime as an unsaved individual, and then they hear the gospel, and they give their life to Christ, and they're born again. But that doesn't let them off the hook from the crime. They still have to pay the penalty. They still have to be responsible for what they've done. If someone steals money as an unbeliever and then they get saved, they still should pay that money back. It's not like, oh, God forgave me for everything. Yes, but you have personal responsibility. There still has to be justice and accountability. Okay? So Paul is saying to Philemon, because Philemon's carrying this letter that Paul is writing, he said, I sent him back to you in person. And that is, I'm sending my very heart. Man, I think this letter was loaded with conviction. He said, I'm sending him back with this letter, whom, oh, I wish to keep with me, so that on your behalf he might minister to me in my imprisonment for the gospel. Hmm. Paul says, Philemon has changed so much I'd like to keep him and have him work with me. See, a convert became indebted to his spiritual father. Paul had a right to his services when in need. But Paul is graceful. And he said, but without your consent, I did not want to do anything so that your goodness would not be in effect by compulsion, but of your own free will. You know, the free will plays a very large part in the Christian life. The free will gets us into the Christian life, and the free will maintains us and regulates us in the Christian life. Why? Because it's a gift. That's why. It's a gift that everyone has. So Paul could have kept Onesimus with him, but he didn't. He gave Philemon the opportunity to receive him, and then if he chose, to release him. So let's kind of summarize what we've seen so far, and we're going to pick it up next time. Philemon is a fellow worker in the kingdom. He has been wronged. Philemon is reminded who he is spiritually, that he is a soldier for Christ. Paul gives him the freedom to do the right thing. He doesn't command him. He gives him the freedom to choose for himself. Will you receive Onesimus? Will you set him free? Will you consider him a brother? See, Onesimus is now born again. And Paul would like to keep him, but he sends him back. And Paul is asking for Philemon's continued cooperation. That's what he wants. So, now the ball is in Philemon's court. Here's the letter. 
You know who you are? Here's Onesimus. Philemon, what are you going to do? When we come back next time, we're going to see how God turns the curse into a blessing. And you know, God is very good at taking what looks like mm, a not-so-good situation, a bad situation, but bringing us through it and out of it, and everybody is better off than they were. That's incredible. Only God can do that. He does it in our lives. He's probably done it in yours. He's done it in mine. And we need to keep our eyes on the Lord. We really do. Because where you are right now might not be that good. You might feel like Philemon. You've been used. You've been taken advantage of. You've been hurt. You felt exploited. Onesimus did all those things. But God, uh, Paul, is going to... Oh, what's the word I want? He's going to try to touch the heart of Philemon and get Philemon to look at the whole situation a different way. And if he does, at the end of it all, will be a phenomenal blessing. But like I said in the beginning, it's a challenge. It's a wrecking ball. It's a wrecking ball. What are you going to do when God sends the wrecking ball of forgiveness into your life? What are you going to do? What have you done in the past? And what do you think you could do in the future? Because that's what forgiveness is sometimes. You feel like, man, everything's being knocked down. My walls are being shattered. My defenses are being collapsed. But if you trust God, oh, everything will come out better on the other side. Oh, it certainly is a challenge. No doubt about it. Giving forgiveness, many times it's one of the most difficult things we can do. But another benefit of giving forgiveness, it stops the root of bitterness from growing in your heart. That's no good. Because by it, many be defiled. It affects everybody around you. I hope you can join me next time. We're going to see how this all works out. See, when you respond to God in a godly way, it always works out well. It does. So I'll see you next time as we wrap this up here on New Hope Radio.